Welcome back to the Too Much Podcast presented by BioSteel, empowered by GoGo Sports. I'm your host, Joshua Marshall, and I got my co-host with me tonight. We got uh, Phil Stockley. Philly, how's it going, bud? Uh, doing pretty good. Nice to get back on the pod and uh, get some pump out some good content for the fans. Yeah, we've kind of been, it's been pretty good lately, uh, you know, having some good interviews and a lot of good feedback from Stoffer, and he gave us a little plug on his show and um yeah even trevor lewis and then a really another uh another great guest tonight too eh yeah yeah um riley sheehan really good guest so yeah uh really really curious to see what he has to say um yeah we're gonna we're gonna this will go down a lot of different roads with him and um obviously he has his own podcast with a friend of ours too and and tyler uh speak your mind podcast uh you know he's played uh, over 600 games in the nhl um you know and now he's gone overseas and and making a career over there too and you know he's got uh you know a good history here with uh you know playing in the, in the nhl and then also helping people with mental health and giving a platform for the conversation for mental health too is uh is really inspiring too and I'm just looking forward to that and and getting uh you know a little bit more of a conversation because we loved our, our mental health talks here at the Too Much Podcast too and uh you know we've had Kelly Rudy and others on and so it's been pretty pretty cool so I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, absolutely. No, I I just kind of lost my train of thought there when we were talking because like you said, it's like it could like I like I don't know I don't know what people really know about uh, about about doing podcasts and you know i'm still fairly new to doing podcasts like i've only been on for a few months here but you know the amount of uh, of like work and research and like you know you, you know you want to you want to know what you're talking about when you get these people on so yeah. um just just like a few minutes ago just a little bit of like a like like you just said like like we don't know where this pot where the this conversation is going to go uh what could happen so so yeah, that's that's basically it. So pretty like looking forward to it. Uh seems like a really great guy. So looking yeah. forward to chatting with him. For sure. And this is our NHL report sponsored by Sheena Boychuk. And this interview is sponsored by Sheena Boychuk. And after our uh, nice ad read here, we'll throw to our interview with Riley Sheehan. Our NHL news and notes segment is brought to you by Sheena Boychuk. Yes, you heard that last name right. That's Sheena Boychuk. As a licensed realtor, Sheena has you covered to buy and sell your home in this hot market. She also offers home consulting services to help you upgrade your living space. Check her website out at SheenaBoychuk.com and tell her the Two Mods podcast sent you. Realty by design, your design approach to real estate. Mets fans, our next guest has a podcast called Speak Your Mind Podcast. He was also drafted in the first round by the Detroit Red Wings in 2010. He's played over 600 games in the NHL and played over 30 games in the playoffs. Uh, he's a longtime NHLer, but now he's taken his talents over to the Swiss Hockey League. We like to welcome Riley Sheehan to the podcast. Riley, how's it going? Good, guys. Thanks for having me. I uh, I always admire people who do podcasting after experiencing it myself. It's it's a tough gig, so I give you guys some credits, and I appreciate you having me on. 
Yeah, no, for sure. And those are kind of the things we'll jump in first. And um, I could speak to like how it started for me. I started doing my podcast over my cell phone, so I didn't know what I was doing. And then uh, it took having Ray Ferraro on, probably as anyone would laugh at this, probably not the most tech savvy guy, but he was like, Josh, you got to get on Zoom or something. Like we're doing this <laughs> thing off the cell phone. Like, what are we doing here? So so ever since then, we went on to Zoom and uh, things have been going pretty good lately and um, having you on. But uh, how have you found that balance and, and, and the conversations you've taken away from, you know, talking about mental health and careers and, and all the great things that you guys do with Tyler Smith on, on the Speak Your Mind podcast? No, it's been good. It's been good. Like we were kind of talking before, the, the last little bit was challenging being in Switzerland. And I think it was a eight hour time change for me and Ty and then factoring in time change of our guests and whatnot. So it was just a little difficult mapping that out. We did it. Um, sometimes it was tough though, but for me, I always tried to make an effort to do it because just generating conversation um, doesn't matter who the guest is, just the fact that you're talking and you're able to listen to somebody and formulate questions and be curious about someone else's life. I think um has been a big takeaway for me and i think it's a good skill for people to have and then i mean amplifying it is like talking about the subject of mental health and hearing other people's stories and being able to relate to them um a lot of the reasons why we do the speak your mind podcast is because it's therapeutic for ourselves too so um it's been so much fun the tie is unbelievable we've got to talk to some uh, some great guests and um, now that I'm back in North America and we're kind of on the same page, we're both excited to put some more energy into it and try to grow it even more. Nice. That's beautiful. Um, one of the things that I take, took away from doing a podcast, it's definitely helped me with like public speaking and I'm in construction. So in talking about mental health and construction has gotten better, but 10 years ago, you could never have those conversations in a lunchroom of 200, 200 people. Yeah. But, uh, what is, has it, obviously it's probably helped Ty because he does a lot of, uh, you know, public speaking. And I don't know how much you do, but has it helped you also maybe be a little bit more vocal in the locker room with your teammates or, you know, in other situations where you maybe are at a, maybe a golf event, a charity event that helped you out with, you know, the public speaking aspect of just doing this podcast? Yeah, for sure. I'm not like, I'm not a big, I'm probably just like most people in this world of the fear of speaking in, in large groups. And even like, even just like groups of people that I'm familiar with, like I'm not, I'm more of a one-on-one -on -one type person or, or just having like more intimate setting. Um, but I found bringing these topics to the locker room, like you said, like I, I would, I would imagine a, a group of construction men tougher to even talk to than hockey players. Like there's just that masculine feel to that right yeah so but i just find that like your doors are more open and people recognize that and can come to you they can approach you with certain topics and i'm not going to say like i know everything but yeah at least i'm open to having the conversation and and i'd like to think that people don't have to be intimidated or or worried about bringing up certain subjects with me and um i think that's just a really good perspective to have for for most people, if we can all be a little more open and talk about topics that maybe are a little uncomfortable, I think that would make a lot of lives more easy. Hundred percent, I agree with that. Um, you know, and I, I just in it, and you're right because the times I've have spoke up in in lunchrooms or board meetings or whatever in in the role I'm in, uh, you know, not people are coming to you right then and there, but later on, they're you know, hey man, something that you talked about hit home for me and. 
in that. So it, it is, it is beautiful. You can have those kind of conversations where, you know, the, you know, and the, the new friendships that you're going to gain. Um, I wonder where you're at with the mental health and, you know, how you are today with where our society is. And then is there any improvements and what are and some of the great things that you've seen happen too? Um, maybe touch and go on that and see kind of where, where your, you know, headspace is on the positive things, but things maybe we can do better at too. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough because you you see so much now, right? You, like you see the good and you see the bad, and it's almost it can be overwhelming at times with like with social media and um, and all the things that we have access to. Um, I try to just focus on what I see in a positive. I mean, there is like the one thing that gets to me is like just younger kids with their lives so influenced by social media or by that social comparison to their peers and and things like that and feeling burnout at such a young age, whether it's involving sport or just life or academics, whatever it is. Um, that's tough because I know what that was like. I, I had a bit of a, a problem with that when I went away to Notre Dame. Um, but like the positives, I mean, you see athletes now, you see people now that are taking time for themselves um, and they aren't necessarily getting punished for it. It seems like that seems to be changing. You look at, I mean, I look at like Jonathan Drouin, Gary Price, Simone Biles, all these people that have have hit the headlines about taking a break from their sport to figure out what's important in their life. I think that's that's really important. Hopefully, we get to a time where um, people are equipped with the tools, or they don't feel as much pressure to not be able to perform. I think that would be really cool. But um, I definitely think we're trending in the right direction. Yeah. Um, you see these other countries taking four day work weeks and giving more vacation time. Just being a little more uh, friendly to to people's mental health. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'll toss it over to Phil. He wants to talk about your career and and where things are at there and uh, the road to your NHL career here. Yeah, so we had uh, Trevor Lewis on last week, and he uh, he's from Salt Lake, and he was just kind of mentioning how. Uh, in in minor hockey for him it wasn't that uh, popular there and he had like 15 players on his team he'd be like exhausted every night Uh, I would imagine uh, being from St. Catharines uh, probably like the hotbed of hockey uh, there was probably plenty of kids on your teams or wanting to be on your teams so uh, take us through minor hockey in St. Catharines how was that? So my my birth year St. Catharines is a pretty good hockey area. When I think when you look at Niagara, um, there's different, like St. Catharines is probably the the bigger, like the biggest city. But then you have like Niagara Falls, Welland, um, all these little different cities within Niagara that have some great hockey, like Kyle Clutterbuck, I mean, uh, Dan Girardi, Matt Ellis, like Dan Paye. You go back a while, like Marcel Dion, and so it's a it's a big big hockey year. My team, at my birth year for St. Catharines hockey was was awful. <laughs> we were brutal, like literally probably one of the worst teams in Canada. Um, so it was it was tough that way, but it also taught me so much. And and I give my dad a lot of credit. He never pulled me out and looked to get me on another team. Like we were awful, but 15 minutes down the road was Niagara Falls, and they were the best team in Canada. And there was opportunity for me to go to that team by getting my release or my waiver or vacant address somewhere like um, some people do now. But he just said, no, like this is your team. Like this is who you've devoted your time with and you you can honor that. And we're not going to take the easy way out, which 
now is is a, a big lesson and I think that has stuck with me. So um I mean hockey was hockey. I I excelled. I was gifted enough and um lucky enough to to have some talent in it. Um but I wouldn't say I was trying to like do everything in the summer like play year round. I like playing other sports. Um my family just has an athletic background so it was always a push for me to um, experiment with different sports and then just kind of everything sort of fell into place once I reached in like 10th grade or so is when I sort of devoted my time to hockey but uh, yeah it was a lot of experiment with other stuff just enjoying being a kid which is a, a little different now I feel like it's almost you, you're pushed into playing year-round and things like that but um, growing up in St. Catharines playing hockey was unbelievable. Yeah, that's awesome. It's really awesome you say that. Like we're in the Edmonton area. I live out in rural uh, Alberta, just outside of Edmonton, and my kids play uh, for New Sarepta, which is just like a small little place. And you know, we go through that too with with some players that you know we got to go play in Leduc or we got to go play in 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 the city. And it's like we have one of our development guys out here. He's like, you know what? It doesn't matter where you play; they're gonna find you. Yeah, yeah. My dad would say the same thing. He's like, if you're good enough, they'll find you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so did your dad, was your dad, your coach or, or how did he, what was his role in you, uh, in your childhood? And so he, uh, he, he was like a trainer. He was, he's got a phys ed background, uh, like a kinesiology background. So he understood the body. So he was on our bench as the at trainer, you know, he had his, um, certification to go tend to someone if they needed help. But once we got to an age where, parents became a little more vocal about who was making the team and nice time and all that. He's like, I'm out of here. Cause people were going to him about that stuff. And he's like, I'm not in this for that. And so he got <laughs> out of there. Like when I was, when I was younger, but I mean, he's been my pillar with, with my hockey career and him and my mom, my sister too. But, um, my dad most notably, um, but yeah, just a number one fan kind of thing and definitely an important role in my life. So then you, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Like that's, that's kind of like the similar to what I am with my kids. Cause I'm, I can't really skate. So wouldn't be a great coach. <laughs> yeah, he's, <laughs> but, he's uh, similar. He had a basketball background, so he's more like dialed into the basketball, but I mean, growing up in Canada, I think you're forced to kind of get into hockey a bit and luckily it worked out. Exactly. And like the parents versus the kids game, I'm just like, look out. Cause I'm not stopping kids. Like move it. <laughs> running over but, some of them <laughs> oh exactly exactly the coaches are like buddy take it easy i'm like i can't like that's 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 my only speed but uh so then yeah uh, you, you headed off to notre dame how did how did that come about um yeah it was so i played i played junior b in st Catharines when i was like 15 16 16 17 um and then yeah i, I committed pretty early so i kind of always knew that i was gonna go there um being Irish Catholic, um, there was affiliation with Notre Dame, like the fatherhood and my hometown, oddly enough, the Holy, Holy cross priests, there was some connection there. Um, so that was kind of another link. And then funny enough, I had, I have a cousin who now is coaching. Uh, he coached the Chicago wolves last year We're distant cousins, but he was playing at Notre Dame. So through the recruiting process, it kind of, we were like, Oh man, like that guy's last name's Shea. And like, is there connection and sure enough we were related so there's kind of like some alignment there and obviously being a pretty cool school and um good education sort of just all fit into one and um that's how i ended up there 
Nice. And uh, some, some players like, like I, I kind of said it in the intro, like, you know, when we interview someone, we do a bit of research and whatnot. So uh, did you play with Kyle Palmieri and Anders Lees there too? Yeah. So Palms and I were freshmen together and then he left after his freshman year. Anders came in. Um, I was a sophomore when he was a freshman. So we spent two years, uh, two years together. Um, Brian Rust was there with me for two years. Some other, uh, like Steven Johns. Um, so we had some, we had some pretty good teams. We had a lot of talent. TJ Tynan was another stud for us. Um, so yeah, it was, it was good. We had, we had a lot of fun, super, like one of those teams that just meshed really well together off the ice. So we had a lot of fun, uh, came up short frozen for one year and then college hockey is tough. Like when it's just one game that can decide something and there's so many, you get teams that are filled with 24 year olds that can kind of just out muscle you. Like it's, it's just, it's tough to play and it's great. It's competitive and super, it's a super fun experience, but it is, it's hard. Phil Bosco, you got anything on minor hockey here? Um, what, so was there some mentors along the way? Obviously your father, you talked a bit about him, but any of their coaches um, that you had, or just maybe someone in the community and, or someone at Notre Dame that was just really good to you along the way that kind of taught you the ropes before you were able to get drafted. Yeah. I, my high school, I played high school hockey in uh, 10th grade, which would have been like the OHL draft year. Yeah. Um, and it was the year I committed to Notre Dame before I started playing juniors. Um, my high school hockey coach, his name's Chris Zanudo. He, uh, he, he had a stint of professional hockey, played for the London Knights, was a good defenseman. Um, and he was just really, he was really good for me. Um, teaching me a lot of hockey related things, letting me play like high school hockey was a little lower than, than like AAA in terms of skill level. So he just let me play and put me in all situations and just getting on the ice was, was big for me. And I almost enjoyed that more than minor hockey. Um, and he just like a lot of little things with like, just like being on time, like, like work ethic and practice, like all these little things, um, it definitely stuck in the back of my mind and, and was something that I've, that I've kind of carried with me. We still talk to this day and yeah. it's weird because high school hockey isn't really that big of a deal, but the way he treated it was really, was really serious. And he got a lot of players who weren't very good hockey players to, to play at a high level and, and have some fun and, and take it seriously. That's awesome. It's good to have people like that in your life for sure. Um, so draft day, um, you know, how exciting was that, uh, you know, go, going in the first round and getting drafted by uh, a great organization and and the players that you uh, were able to be around in, in that organization and, you know, Ken Holland to the coaches you had and how, how, how awesome was that? And, you know, how important was that for you and your family in that kind of moment? Yeah, it was, it was amazing. Um, first time ever really like at, at that age, like I never really gone anywhere cool or done anything like, um, like the NHL put up such a great event. And I never ever experienced something like that. And we were in LA. So right in LA live where all the lights and everything. And, um, it was just a really eye opening experience. And then like, like you said, to be picked by Detroit, um, was crazy. Like I grew up a Leafs fan, but Detroit was always a close second with Stevie Y. And as I got older, just falling in love with Pavel Datsuk and, and Henrik Zetterberg, guys like that. So to be able to like associate myself with, with that organization was huge. Um, 
I remember going into the suite after I got picked where all the brass is, front office and whatever. And I walk in and, and Babs was the coach and he didn't even look at me. He looked right past me, went right to my family, right to my mom, my dad, my sister shook their hands. My sister was, uh, she, she did, she was a rower. She division one rower at uh, university of Texas. So just spark conversation about rowing and about that. And I'm just standing there like, what's going on? Like, this is supposed to be like my day. <laughs> um, <laughs> And then sure enough, he comes over to me after and he's like, Riley, great to meet you, but I won't have to know you for another like five years or something. So like pretty much just putting me in my place and and it was almost a good reminder. Like, yeah, you got, you get drafted. Great. Good for you. That's a great milestone. Celebrate it. But there's a lot of work to be done after the draft. Um, and uh, you see a lot of players fizzle out. So you got to keep up that work. Yeah. Um, my buddy, uh, uh, Turner Olson ended up playing Grand Rapids, uh, too. Um, you know, talk about, you know, going there to, to start. And that was always the motto, the motto with Detroit is, you know, you get drafted and they develop you in the right way. It's not, you're not rushed. Um, what are the kind of things you learned? And was there any, you know, veterans down there that kind of taught you the ropes to when it was time to make the NHL that you're ready for that moment? Yeah, for sure. Like, cause so I went to Grand Rapids my first year. Um, and even at, at that level, like they did a great job of bringing in vet players that, held strong leadership qualities and were able to keep that uh keep that culture going jeff hogan was one he was our captain um brennan evans was one um like nathan page tristan grant like those were our older guys and and they definitely like they made it easier and and they taught the right things about how to be a good guy in the locker room and cleaning up after yourselves treating the trainers right treating people right within the organization which I think is a really important thing. And then once I got up um, to Detroit, I mean, you could go down the line. Like it was such a good locker room and, and guys kind of each guy felt like had their own um, personality that allowed you to kind of pick and pull from each guy and kind of try to add that into your daily routine. I mean, Nick Cronwell is one of the best teammates ever had one of the nicest guys treats everybody equally and just a super good character guy like Zetterberg just, an absolute like leader datsuk didn't talk much but his work ethic on the ice was unbelievable and he always wanted to like help you with things and and um push your game in the right direction and give you a little bit of advice like todd bertuzzi an older like grizzled vet that was like a little intimidating at first but then you realize like he's just got such a good heart so you can go down the list like it was just a really really good organization for a young player to be in and um, i'm grateful i had that opportunity that's awesome. We'll get a little bit more of that, but there's something you brought up there that I've always wanted to ask this because I think trainers play a huge, huge part in, you know, the rest and recovery for you guys, but there's a lot of uh, hard work hours that they put in that maybe not the everyday hockey fan knows. Can you talk about, you know, the, the relationship and the importance of all the trainer trainers that are in the NHL and, and, you know, how uh, special that bond is that you guys have with them? Yeah, it's, it's honestly, it's, it's like, it is so important. I'm trying to think of like a better way to put it, but it, it's so important. One to like, they do everything for us. Like they literally do everything. And sometimes like, unfortunately, there's some guys that think because they're at in the NHL and at that, that level, they can leave their towel, leave their wet, dirty towels 
sitting on the ground and they and they know someone's going to come pick it up. They leave their practice jersey sitting in their stall. They'll leave their socks sitting in the stall. They'll leave shit. They'll leave stuff just hanging around and they know it's going to get cleaned up. And these guys all do that and they don't say a peep. They don't complain. They come in late. They uh, road trip. They'll get into Vancouver late. They'll go right to the arena, unpack all the gear. They do so much that way. And then too, like they they're like a shoulder to lean on too. When things aren't going right, they're guys that you talk to and, and things like that. So it is, it's, it's an important role. And and I'm a big believer too. Like if you treat those guys right, then it can extend your career. If you clean up after yourself, if you, um, if you aren't leaving shit around the locker room, like it's going to extend your career because those guys take the information back to um, the brass and the guys who are making important decisions. And they'll be like, Hey, this, uh, this guy, doesn't have his head on his shoulders. He's talking about the wrong things. He's acting the wrong way. He's not cleaning up after himself. And it's usually a good reflection on how that guy's character is. Yeah. No, that's a, it's a, it's important to have that. I always kind of thought that was there, but some of the players I got to know just off record, just the amazing things that they did, uh, you know, were, were pretty, uh, pretty special. And, and uh, you know, the importance that you guys take care of them too. Um, you know, yeah. at the end of the year, when the season's over uh, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, and obviously team dinners or dinners on the road and stuff like that. Those For are- sure. Mutz fans. So much going on right now in the live sporting events, concerts, everything going on. You know, you got wrestling events, you got the NBA, you got the NFL, you got hockey coming back, like so much going on. So use the promo code two months pod. When you guys go to SeatGeek, download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com and get $20 off your purchase for these live events. You guys won't be disappointed. They'll help you on the bucks. You know, save that $20, get you a couple beers, maybe have some popcorn, whatever you want for that, saving that $20 going in. And, you know, use these live events, man. There's so much going on right now. Uh, this is the greatest time. Um, all these sports are firing back up. So all four major sports will be ready to go. Then you guys got the Drake concerts, the T-Swift concerts. There, there's so much happening right now. So, so many great events to be a part of. So don't be disappointed when you guys go to SeatGeek.com and use the promo code 2 Pod, all capitals. That's the promo code 2 Pod, all capitals, to get $20 off your purchase. This public service announcement is brought to you by our friends at CDN. Here's a crazy thought. Not all team wear needs a team logo. Stand out in the crowd and rep your team colors with one of CDN's hockey hats. Listen, these hats are phenomenal. We just got ours a little while ago and we've been wearing them nonstop. You know when you find a hat you love and you just can't take it off? Yep, that's how we feel with our CDN hat. Every time we wear it out, we get asked, where did you get that hat? I know what you're thinking. How can I get one? Cue the details. Shop online 24-7 at www.wearecdn.ca and use the promo code 2MUTS for 15% off your order. Again, that's www.wearecdn.ca to get your new favorite hat and use the discount code two months at checkout for 15% off your order. Now back to the show.
Um, you talked about Datsuk, Zetterberg, Patuzzi, and that, um, but you got it. You got to play in Pittsburgh with some great players, and then here in Edmonton, and um, you know, even in Buffalo, there's some pretty good players there too. Um, you know, wh- what is something that stands out to you know those guys? Um, you know, I was with Matt Benning not too long ago, and he just talked about you know, how humble, how caring, how awesome, you know, uh, Connor McDavid is. And, you know, the person he is uh, off the ice is, is tremendous. And then, you know, you get people that say the same thing about Sid and the other guys too, but is there anything that you learned a lot with them, but you know, special, the special bond that you can have with, you know, those guys, but at the end of the day, I think every guy matters. I know those guys are the big guys, but um, you know, how, how they make, you know, everyone feel like they're a part of the team and they're welcome too. Yeah. I mean, I started with Sid, like Sid, I said, Nick Cronwell was one of the best teammates. Sid might be the best. Like he's aside from how good he is on the ice, which everybody knows. And I mean, I think people hear um, information about how good of a guy he is, but like being able to, to sit in the same locker room, I actually got to sit beside him the time I was there. And like he just does everything right from work ethic standpoint. He does everything right. He treats his body the right way. He's in the gym doing the right things. But like, like you said, like the way he treats people was just, was unbelievable. He'd take time out of his day to make sure he went and signed all the autographs for people watching practice or, or the guys out in front of the hotel on the road. He would always make sure to get that done. Um, I remember a few times where I had guests in town, um, a lot of people want to see Sidney Crosby, right? And you're trying to be like, no, it's like he doesn't have time, but he comes up, he initiates the conversation. He can kind of tell that they're like looking at him and he he just takes it upon himself to to go out of his way and um, make sure these people get recognized. And there was a few times where there was kind of some charitable stuff that I had going on where I wasn't sure if I wanted to bother him, but he comes in the locker room with a sign stick for a friend in a wheelchair and has a big conversation with them and continues that. And I didn't even know he was going to do this. Like it was just kind of a random act of kindness, but it seemed like he was always doing that. And he was just so emotionally intelligent, like just able to read the room, able to take guys under his ring wing and, and make them feel comfortable. And um, definitely one of the things that I took from, from my time in Pittsburgh was, was how good of a person he was. That's awesome. Yeah. Gord Miller, shares a lot of good stories about him uh, away from the ring too. Phil, uh, you got some there. Yeah. Go, going back uh, just for a second to Detroit. Um, I don't know, Bosco, do you know who scored the last goal to Joe? <laughs> That's our, our great guest. There. <laughs> also scored the crack in history too. So he's got uh, some good ones. There you go. <laughs> Look at this guy go. Hey, what was that night like to Joe? Yeah. Well, it was tough, man. Like the, the whole year was brutal for me. Like I, it always comes with that. Like that stat always comes with like 79 games of not scoring. And and that year was just super, super hard for me. Um, but like, I look back on it and like talk about a kick to your ego and have to deal with that and, and manage the the downs of, of being a professional athlete and, and getting some media attention and whatnot. And then, for that to happen was just like, literally, I felt like 10 pounds release off, maybe even more, maybe 50 <laughs> pounds just release off me. I think even in my celebration, you can just kind of see like my head go back like, oh, God, thank you for that. Like, it was a brutal season. I wish I had 10 more, but to be able to go to get that one. And then I ended up getting one more later on in the game, which ended up being the last 
last goal at the Joe, but it was such a cool environment with obviously the crowd was full. The atmosphere was great. We weren't in a playoff position, but the place was buzzing and there were so many um, ex players there and hall of fame players there. And they did it up well. So that part was really cool. Yeah. Is there, I know, and it's that, that moment was tough in that, in that, for that year for you. And, uh, but is there something that maybe you've learned about yourself that, you know, helped you, you know, in life or in hockey going forward? I, I know at times listening to your podcast, some people refer to the NHL as the never happy league and stuff like that. There's, um, you know, and in, in life in general, it, it can be tough. Like I went through a pretty tough time around this time last year and, um, you know, it, 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 it really hurts when, you know, you don't have a year that you're really excited about, especially when you feel like things are at the top of the mountain, but, um, you know, is there something that kind of stood out to you, um, through that moment that you learned a lot? And obviously it was be- a beautiful kind of ending in a way, but, you know, through, through that moment and the mental health kind of challenge that we have in, in life too, but is there something that kind of stood out to you? Yeah, I mean, I think I took a lot from it. From a hockey standpoint, like it allowed me to kind of to go on and just think about my career and and realize that it couldn't really get much worse, like at the NHL level. And just having that in the back of my mind made other situations a little easier. It's always tough when you're going through it, but um, to be able to reflect and, and kind of look through your career, I think, like to know that that was there and that happened, but you're still surviving, I think was a good thing for me to remember. And I was able to bounce back the next year and get traded and and have a, have a really good year in Pittsburgh. And um, it's also a good reminder for me that like things can change and, and a year isn't a long time, like not even a year. It was a end of the season to the next season. So like say five, six months, um, all of a sudden things change and I'm, I'm in a really good situation again. So um, it's kind of taught me that sort of day by day mentality or just because I feel shitty today doesn't mean I'm going to make wake up tomorrow. And, and, and it's also too, like you got to work for it. Right. It's not just, I think like the one thing people think is like happiness, especially as you get older, when you've been affected by so many different things, like happiness doesn't come by easy. Like it's something you got to work for and you got to do things that you enjoy and you got to surround yourself with people you enjoy being around. And, um, definitely like those lessons, it's something that I've taken from not just that moment, but some of the downfalls that I've had over my career. Yeah. Um, my mentor, his name's Brian Betty. Uh, he works for a company called JMJ, uh, and he's out of, uh, Los, uh, uh sorry, um, Vegas. And, one of the things he always says, uh, press play and just press play on the, whatever happens, just keep pressing play, press and play. And, um, it, that's get That's, that's what gets me through the day. Um, I know kind of earlier, we're kind of just, you know, off before we started the podcast is just, you know, that, that face side of always believing in something. And I definitely think that's important. Um, you know, and, you know, talking to like Matt Benning, where, you know, when he went to Nashville and then San Jose, like they got a chapel set up for the guys and, you know, it's not, maybe it's not for everyone, but it's always nice to have that conversation. And I know Phil and I play on a, a rec hockey team here and times you're like, <laughs> you get mad and you want to do something in a hockey game. You're like, that's not a good Christian or whatever, <laughs> but uh, um, you know, we're always kind of have a good joke or if someone does something bad with our team, we always say, you got to throw it in the swear jar. There's a buck. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, it was always, uh, it's always pretty funny there, but um, 
I just think that positive approach um, is pretty cool. And like my story and my kind of testimony in a way is I lost my father when I was 14 and, you know, and, and I didn't know how to kind of cope with that. I've had so much up and downs, but uh, you know, it took an NHL player to kind of help me out. Cause he had a similar story and, and Travis Hamannick and kind of what he does with his charitable initiatives and stuff like that. But um, I just want to talk about like, what are, what charities are near and dear to your heart before we kind of get into you just making the decision to go to overseas is, is there something that kind of sticks out to you and what charities you've been tied with uh, in the start of your career and where things at with now with that? So I always kind of made it a focal point when I was playing, like when I was in Detroit, I, I did, uh, I did some stuff with humane side edge. Like I'm a, I love dogs. I love like the rescue thing. Like that was really appealing to me. And that was one that nobody really had, had, uh, had done within the team that the, the team does a really good job at setting players up. So every player had to do some sort of initiative and that's where mine was, was, was dogs. But then as I got, Kind of older and a little more focused into it. Luke Glendening and I did a little bit of a meet and greet after each game with Boys and Girls Club with a kid who maybe doesn't have the most uh, the ability to go to a game and the ability to um, to have the freedom in their upbringing to do kind of some things that maybe you or me were blessed to do. So um, they would come down and we would just talk. They'd come to the game. We'd give them a little care package. We continued that on in Pittsburgh. Um, I did it with Brian Rust, where we would buy tickets. Um, same thing, Boys and Girls Club. Um, I think I think Rusty has continued that on now without me, but now he does with kids who stutter because um, Rusty has he's had a. I mean, he does have a speech impediment, and it's something he deals with, so he understands the challenges of that. And then when I got to Edmonton, we did like a Cheyenne squad kind of thing. Same sort of thing. It was tough with COVID, but just like a meet and greet with younger kids. And um, I'm really, I'm really drawn to, to that, um, to the younger kids crowd where you can maybe have a little bit of a positive effect and give them a spark, give them some sort of spark in their brain where they can see that becoming a professional athlete is, is, is possible. The grass is there. And if you don't achieve it, then you can learn all these things along the way. So it's something that I'd like to kind of focus in on as my hockey career kind of settles down um, as being a little more active in that kind of community and maybe create my own sort of foundation or, or whatever it is. Um, but definitely younger kids who are going through a lot, um, focusing on their mental health and, and maybe giving them some tools to uh, fight through it. Yeah, that's a, that's awesome. And even your guys' interview with Ron McLean and he was on our, our podcast probably a week before he's on with you guys. And I know with him being in the Red Deer area and from there, um, you know, and our a charity that we, we support here in our podcast is the Central Alberta Child Advocacy Center. And, um, and obviously a former teammate of yours, Chris Russell, who is, that's a program that's near and dear to him and his wife's heart. Uh, um, but yeah, we, I just remember we always donate our tickets, but usually we don't hear the stories back that happen. And we got a beautiful story back during the the tickets that got donated when the Capitals were in town and the two kids that went to that game that how much that impacted them. And, you know, it's a great thing that you're doing there too. And, you know, I hope going forward, uh, you know, things are a lot more success than that and, you know, keep helping out. Cause I think giving back is important and making sure everyone knows that they're enough in this world, because I think that's, you know, oftentimes is sometimes we all think that maybe we're not enough, but we all, we all, we always mm-hmm. are. So, um, yeah. I also think too, just by doing that stuff, like 
you can look at it from like a, a, a selfish standpoint where it helps you to give back to other people too, you know, like you feel better about yourself and it kind of gives you a little bit of energy. And I think I love that. Like when I see guys around the NHL doing certain things, like as much as they're helping and they're influencing somebody, it's also helping themselves and building little pieces of their um, personality and, and their experience playing in the NHL. Like it, it provides them with a little spark. I always found it helped me play better too. Cause I was a little more clear in the head. Yeah, no, it's uh, even like Travis Hammond said to me, he's like in a weird, selfish way, this stuff helps him, um, you mm-hmm. know, in a way where he knows he's helping someone else on the other end, but in a weird, selfish way, he's helping them. And when he said that to me, I was like, yeah, that, that, that resonates for sure. Um, you know, a couple more before we let you go, but obviously, a, a, you know, the decision to kind of go play overseas in the middle of, of the, of kind of the early, early part of the NHL season. Um, I know you kind of talked about it and I kind of know what you said on your podcast, but for some of the listeners that didn't catch that, uh, you know, how, how hard was that decision or how easy was that decision? And then once you got there, um, you know, how awesome was that when you finally got there and, you know, and, and playing good league and getting connected with another former teammate and Gaetan Haas, uh, that you had here in Edmonton too, but how, how awesome was that? Yeah, it was, a, it was a really cool experience. It was tough. Um, it was the first year I signed a two-way deal in Buffalo and I, I maybe didn't consider like how difficult it is to go up and down and the, the pain of getting waived and then going down and playing and getting called back up thinking maybe you're going to get another chance but not playing and being away from, from family and, and that stuff. So that was difficult. And I mean, I give Buffalo so, so much credit. Like I loved my time there during the COVID year, my time there from, um, from the guys like in the locker room, the the coaches, everybody there, they were unreal. And Kevin Adams was unreal when I approached him and I was like, Hey, like this really isn't working for me. Like I'm really, I'm just not mentally, I'm not in a good spot. I'm not, I feel like I'm letting my family down by being away all the time and not having energy when I'm at home. And, he was super, super uh, understanding and and he worked with me through the process. He gave me some more time to really think about it. And then um, we came up with a decision to terminate my deal, which allowed me to go over to Switzerland. So I got to have kind words for him. And then getting to Switzerland, it was it was great. I mean, we it's a, it's a nice lifestyle out there. It's an easier schedule. Travel's not as bad. Um, it was a little difficult settling in and, and getting hockey going and um, getting the family settled and things like that. It's, that's never easy, but once, once we were settled, it was good. And, um, we ended up losing game seven of the finals and it was tough for me because I was kind of in and out of the lineup with the import rule and, and stuff like that and, and being a late addition. So it allowed me to kind of work on some, some things and, and that, like I had to sort of same thing, like fighting with my ego, like I should be playing, I should be in the lineup. This is crazy. I come over from the NHL, like blah, blah, blah but we had a really good team and and I just had to work on being a good teammate, helping as much as I can and, and whatever way. So um, it was a challenge that way, but um, all in all a good experience. Is that something you want to do next year or are you, where, where, where are things at with you and your wife and the family decision? Um, Cause obviously you, I feel like you probably got a lot left to give still. I don't think you want to retire now, but where, where are things at there? Yeah, it's, it's tough. It's definitely uh it's a topic of conversation that comes uh, up a lot for my wife and I and trying to find something that we enjoy and um, something where like I can put some energy into and, and feel good about it. Um, 
So we're not really sure about what we're going to do. We've talked about going back. We've talked about staying in North America. Um, we've even talked about like what it would look like if I didn't play. And um, so it's just a matter of really sitting with it and finding out what what, what works for us as a family and um, what I would would wake up happy to do and and really be able to like put some energy into. Phil, you got some more there um, before we close out. Yeah, so I had a friend who ended up going and playing in Italy, uh, pro hockey in Italy, and he just said it was so much simpler in a way. Uh, you know, you get up in the morning and you stop at the cafe on your way to the rink and grab a nice coffee and then make your way to the rink. Uh, so so what's it look like in, in Switzerland, a typical day playing pro hockey in Switzerland? Yeah, it's it's similar. It's um I'm trying to think of the right way to put it, like comparing it to North America. I mean, Canada definitely has has similar, like some similar some similarities to Swiss, USA, not so much, but it's just like a very intimate um like people kind of just respect your space and um it's just like you you like you walk in in the morning guys go out of their way to to say good morning to everyone it's like they look at look at you and they say like good morning how is how is your night like which is a little different than when you're in the nhl like it seems like some there's like a little bit of like a narrow-mindedness about how do i get myself ready for today how do i push my career how do i be the best player i can be there it just seems like there's a little bit less of a care for that i mean the nhl is the best league in the world and guys are pushing themselves to be the best players they can be every day, which is a big reason why there. It's just like a little more of like a, I think it's like a cultural thing. Like let's go have our coffee, sit in the lounge, bring some croissants, have a cake, yeah. um, put yeah. on the NHL highlights and you walk in and everyone's just sitting in there, just shooting the shit. And like, it's just a super, super laid back environment, which was, was, was really eye opening and, and good for me to see. Um, but- yeah so like like i know we kind of blew blew past a couple of things like you know you had your stint in edmonton too um what was that year like playing here in edmonton uh, it was great i mean um like kenny like you Holland got to did. play with connor mcdavid right so yeah yeah no i mean like even seeing connor when i played with him was obviously unbelievable like you don't think he could get any better. And then you watch him right. as he gets, and Leon's the same way. Um, you watch him this year. It was just crazy. And like, guys are like looking at me, like what's wrong with like, how does this guy do this? Like this, it's crazy. Like it just to see that is, is absolutely insane. You never, I never thought someone could put points up like that, like in the NHL, like that's like a thing you do and, and minor hockey or something. And, um, so seeing that, like like you said about Benny's words about him, like he's so humble and he's he's such a good teammate and down to earth guy. So that that was cool uh, to get to see and um, just the passion for hockey in Edmonton. Edmonton was definitely different than the cities that I'd played in. Um, I'd never played in a Canadian city before, and the passion for hockey as, as big as a hockey city, Detroit and Pittsburgh are. Um, Edmonton seemed to trump those two pretty easily and just the passion for hockey hockey there was, was really cool. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a good experience, harsh winters, yes. but, uh, <laughs> but everything, everything, I, I enjoyed everything at times. 
yeah. you get used to them, man. It's you know, but yeah, I'm a I'm a Flames fan, so it drives me nuts watching Connor how he how he how he rolls. It just drives me absolutely yeah. nuts. And then you got I, I Leon like, on top of that too. So yeah, and they're both so they're such different players, right? Like yeah. Leon's going back to his own end with the puck. Connor's coming at you full speed, and then all of a sudden, Leon's throwing a backhand saucer pass cross ice that lands right on his stick and it's like hey how are you how am i supposed to stop that yeah. but i would i would like to see them win I, I hope they figure out like i don't know what it is to see them kind of push to that next level it kind of seems like the leafs are in the same sort of boat where they need mm-hmm. to get over that hump and um and and pull out the big games but it's 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 tough it's such a tough league like every team is so close you look like i wouldn't have ever thought um like vegas and florida would be no. playing in the Stanley Cup right now so <laughs> yeah, it's just no it's a weird it. it's a weird league so. yeah. no yeah. but like yeah just just even like Bosco saying it earlier like just going through the list of players that you've been able to play with that's got to be pretty special like going going back to like Datsu Crosby uh Connor McDavid and that's just like the tip of the iceberg right so yeah yeah and I think like at the end of the day like one thing that I pull from it is like as good as these players are and I think it's good for people to remember that like like for me as good as some of the players are like they're still humans like yeah, they, right. they might it doesn't mean that they're going to be someone that you get along with but that someone that you like respect and and I think that's a good thing for people to understand they don't have to follow in someone's footsteps just because they are successful at what they do it's like I don't want to follow in the footsteps of some actor who's known to be you know, like sure. getting in trouble with and doing some negative things in the media and what, even though I really enjoy the movies that like when he's on film and stuff, like it's just mm-hmm. even like you look at like your, your bosses and people like that, like sometimes like somebody doesn't, you know what I'm saying, right? Like, it's just what? like, you don't, yeah. you don't necessarily have to admire how the person is as a person if they're really good at what they do. Yeah, 100%. Um, speak up about uh, one great person, uh, and we had him on, and that's your co-host. We'll finish up on this. Save uh, the best for last, Tyler Smith. And uh, just uh, I think he just turned 25 here. So, um, you know, the kind of relationship, friendship that you guys have built here, and, and you know, what are, what are the, the amazing things that you, uh, that you see in him and day in, day out when you're around him, having a conversation with him? Oh, man, like, so he came on a, on the podcast when it first started as a guest and it, we just hit it off right away. The conversation just went so smooth. And then we talked about maybe like just asking him if he'd want to be a co-host and that's kind of how it, how it came about. And then like over time, you just, I just see like, he's just such a good person. Like he's so like puts other people before him. Like he's, he's able, he went through such a traumatic thing, all those all those players did and to be able to like flip it into something positive and to be able to like try to relate to other people and and make other people feel better about their situation it just speaks so much about his his character and then we have so much in common like we like we love shoes we love music love sports like golf like just so like just conversations just flow so easily for us we laugh a lot like he loves to banter and so do I. So um, it's just been able to grow since that first podcast episode. And like I said, now that we have some more time to, to focus in on our podcast, I hope I can see him in person a little more and 
and come up with some new material so we can get excited about this stuff. Yeah, no, you, you guys do an amazing job. And, you know, I think uh, having podcasts out there like that are, are awesome. Uh, we've had like Kelly Rudy on quite a few times with us. And, um, you know, it's just trying to have that conversation on, you know, mental health. And, you know, when you had Ron on, every guest you have, it's tough because it's like asking what your favorite kid is when, you know, you love all your kids. It's like every <laughs> guest, every guest brings something different, but brings something so great too. Um, you know, and that's what I love about doing this is, you know, our, like Matt Benning always says, like, you're like, we're just shining the light on you guys. Uh, you know, it's, it's tough to make the national hockey league. And when you're there, uh, you know, it's, it's always a grind. And, you know, I just like, I can't thank you enough for everything you've done, you know, on and off the ice. And, you know, I appreciate you uh, taking the time to join us here and happy we finally were able to get a, a time here to connect. And uh, so thank you so much. Um, and Phil, I don't know if you have anything else you want to add before we close out. Yeah. Tyler's a smart guy. He, you know, jumped, jumped in after all the, uh, all the, all the, trials and error that you probably went through with your podcast you know very similar to me i just let boss go grow this thing up and then i just slid right in there so that's right pretty smart guy. exactly yeah. hey i'm not yeah. i'm not i'm not ashamed to say it yeah for sure so <laughs> man thank you thank you so much for the time tonight man yeah no thank you guys and keep doing what you're doing because this is great and um yeah just conversation and and asking good questions and stuff like that even um sometimes if you don't get the return you want to i think just like keep it charging through and um i think it's i think it's great what you guys are doing like i said podcasting isn't an easy gig and you guys are doing a great job thank you thank you so much and back to you obviously and uh we hope to see you back in the ice here very soon and uh you know don't uh you got a lot left to give man so keep on going and keep on trucking so all the best thank you Well, Phil, that was a pretty good interview. No, I thought that was a, that was amazing. So a good uh, forty-five minutes with uh, with Riley here, and you know, kind of your takeaways from uh, from what you, we uh, experienced, and you know, just a, a great conversation and a lot of different topics. Yeah, and it's like I kind of I kind of touched on it, and apologies to any Mutz fans out there, but you know, like I said in the before the interview, you know, conversation just starts flowing and, you know, we may have missed a couple of things, but we'll get him back on and go over maybe more time in Edmonton and yeah, some of the, some of his other stops. Like we didn't even touch Seattle or Buffalo really, but you know, um, conversation just flows and, and, and it's the way it goes. And when you're on a time constraint with people, it's, uh, you know, you just you just kind of go with what uh, what feels good at the time, and I, I just thought it was a really good interview. And you know, again, just really appreciate his time. And um, yeah, like I said, we could have spoken for probably another hour. Hundred percent. There was, you know, I was. It's like you're stick handling in front of the net, and you're like, "Hey, do you go this way or do you go this way?" And then I'm just like, you know, this conversation's flowing this way, and then you know, and then get you back on and into it and stuff like that. Because sometimes you know, that's my apologies. I get so deep into the conversation. I forget that uh, I got another great co-host with me too, that uh, is there. So, you know, getting you back it's in, all right, buddy. Pick, you know, but it's good though. Cause you pick up yeah. things that maybe I'm not picking up on. Right. And, you know, and I think it's just, that's the chemistry we have where, you know, you're just, you're pressing play on that conversation. And, 
Um, and yeah, every time we have a guest on for the first time, it's always just like, we didn't get enough of that. So we get them back on again. And, you know, if anyone sees, uh, you know, our history and in, in what we've done, it's, you know, trying to get someone back on again for more of a conversation. And, you know, and this one hits home a lot in a lot of different ways. And, you know, what he, what Riley's doing, you know, helping kids out with their mental health and, you know, putting smile on their faces. Like, I just love that because, you know, we all, yeah. all those kids need it. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of things going on in this world, man. And, you know, if you could put a smile on someone's face and, you know, even if it's an adult, it's, it's quite, a, it's quite amazing what, uh, what that does for you and your confidence going forward in life. And, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just thrilled to, you know, finally get him on. It's been, uh, you know, a few conversations back and forth and, you know, now he's back overseas and I hope he plays, man. He's still young. Um, you know, he's only 31 or so. So it's, you know, I know, um, you know, things are at where they were at earlier on in his career and, but, you know, I think he could still help an NHL team here and, you know, I hope, uh, hope he gets, you know, gets another knock on the door here and, you know, the good thing, like one of the great things is he's one of the best face-off guys in the game and, you know, and, and that is always a very huge need in this, in this game and, you know, playing on the penalty kill too. So, uh, so hopefully, uh, hopefully another team gives him a, gives him a chance here and, you know, but you know, it's obviously a family decision there, but uh, any other things that kind of stood out to you? Yeah. And, and even like he said in the, in the uh, interview, like, you know, doing a, doing a podcast is good for his mental health. And, and I know that's a really important thing to you too, because, um, you know, you and him probably share some of the same struggles and, you know, I've been fortunate enough that, that my, my mental health has been pretty good in my life. So, um, you know, it's just, but, but at the same time, like we all have our up days, we all have our down days and, you know, coming on and doing this podcast and and getting to interview some like really great people and, you know, Mm. to, to think like even a year ago that I'd be, I'd be having conversations with NHL players, like, not a chance and it's it's like it's like you guys said it's good for your mental health so you know if if i can even encourage anybody listening right now like just find something you love and and just go and do it because you know it really helps and 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 it helps me even and and i know it helps you and even you know it's great it's great even like the relationship we have with like the the boys on the podcast like broads and vandy and and rapper too when he gets on like it's it's good and you know we we had our round table a couple of weeks a couple was it a couple of weeks ago a week yeah. ago last yeah. week right and and even just like after that like we were just we were all just like so happy with how it went and it was just it was just a lot of fun like talking with the boys and and getting on here yeah. so yeah it's it's awesome man i uh you know i even said the other day just like lining up the interview with stuff and just like you know, I've known him for 15 plus years and just, I'm just privileged and honored. And I just love having that convert, that friendship with him and being able to right. have that conversation. And, uh, you know, it's like you say, not everyone gets these opportunities in life and, you know, and every day we're connecting with a new player and, you know, and, and building a new relationship and a new friendship and, you know, just having more positive conversations and, you know, like Spin Chicklets does their thing, Missing Curfew does their things. Those guys are good, and you know, and Speak Your Mind is is doing amazing things with, uh, you know, with the platform that they have and the conversations they have and the guests that that are a part of, uh, you know, those great conversations in life. And you know, man, like 
keep a podcast under an hour, you, you know, if you're driving half an hour this way and a half an hour back the other way, you know, throughout the week, like you can still find time. We'll keep your company. Yeah. yeah there, I know there's a lot out there and, you know, we're growing and growing, but you know, man, it's, it's, it's therapeutic for me, man. Like I just, I love these. Like I just, I look forward to them. If I can do these every single day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, I do it, man. And, you know, and look at the email we got tonight. That's going to be a, it's going to be great for us down in, in a few days here in a few weeks, probably like that, you know, like that we, we worked so hard for that and the support yeah. that we're getting from go, go sports with, with Robert and and the other Robert and Trevor and, you know, like they're, you know, pushing the envelope to getting us better. And I, I, I always wanted that. Now we got it. Now they're there, they're helping us. And, you know, and the, being a part of the Gogo family, and it's 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 amazing. And you know, and I it was just, a big, it was a big turning point for us for sure. Yeah, um, joining up with those guys, and and yeah. you know, I I don't know I don't know much about like what the Mutz fans know, but we we'd had another opportunity before Gogo came along, and you know, it just didn't feel right. So, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, we waited, and you know, we talk about being like like Bosco and I, we 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 believe in God, and we have we have faith in the Lord, and yeah. We just really believe, like we we both felt the same way that you know I don't think that was the direction we we were supposed to go in. And was was it like a week or two later? Gogoat came around and boom. Yeah, yeah. there's a possibility so. there, and and it just felt right, you know. And it it helped that we had, you know, obviously Darren Drager and Ray Ferraro backing us, and you know supporting mm-hmm. us. And then you know again like. You know, stop for giving us a shout out on on a top five radio show in in the in Canada, probably in the entire hockey league. And you know, just like how great was that? Just a, a nice little plug, and you know, interesting <laughs> guys, interesting conversations, and and stuff like that. And then, yeah, what was he crushing during that pod? He was just crushing a nice. He day. had like the bubble. He had the bubble gum Jones soda going. Looked pretty that's, tasty, actually. I I went to the store yeah that night. I was like, find one. So. I'm gonna find where they get. Anyways, yeah. So here we are going down another path, right? It's just so easy to do. But all in all, like it's like it's like uh, Riley said tonight. You know, even like these these amazing hockey players, yeah, Connor McDavid, Pavel Datsuk, Sidney Crosby, they're just normal guys. Yeah, just normal human beings, right? So, uh, for sure. So, all right, Um, yeah. So I think we'll finish up on that, eh, Phil? Good night. It was a good night. So, yes, it was. So, uh, looking forward to hearing the feedback on this episode. Um, definitely means a lot. So, uh, as we always say, be humble, be kind. And we'll chat with you guys very soon. Bye.